Should I send my patient for their next hip replacement to Thailand? Welcome to the Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I was recently at the Healthcare Globalization Summit in Las Vegas and sat down with a few of the keynote speakers, and here's what happened. My guest today is Ruben Torrell, a recognized leader in medical tourism and healthcare globalization. Ruben is widely recognized as one of the driving forces behind medical tourism, and he is now owner and operator of a healthcare marketing company, MedNet Asia Limited. Mr. Terrell has extensive healthcare experience, and welcome to the show. Thanks. Well, I saw in a recent article that you kind of drew some parallels between the movie Charlie Wilson's War mm. and uh, the current crisis in healthcare. Would you mind sharing that a little bit? Yeah. It was actually out of the book because I read the book and saw the movie, but the parallels that I got out of that were several. One, we are in a crisis situation. It is a war. And in that, I think that the mentality or the position one has to take a look at when they're trying to fight a war is kind of all out. And the interesting thing that I saw there was that Charlie Wilson was looking for the silver bullet to bring down the big bad Russian helicopters. And he thought that by finding this silver bullet, this one weapon that would bring down the helicopters, that he would win the war. And it turns out that that was completely wrong. That what was required to win the war was a multitude of different weapon systems out there to bring these helicopters down and defeat the Russians. And I looked at that and said, this is exactly what's happening in the healthcare debate today. People are looking at, do we stay with the managed care system or do we look at universal healthcare thinking that it's a black and white issue and that universal healthcare is that silver bullet. And I personally don't see it that way. I think that, again, globalization, consumerism, and a broader and wider use of the internet is creating more and newer options for patients out there and payers and physicians and that really what you're looking at is many different tools in order to attack this situation and not just one silver bullet, which again, universal health care is being promoted as. So that's kind of what you talk about in your talk about the megatrends that we're facing. Right. And so there's really four as you see it. The ones that I look at are globalization, absolutely happening. The age wave, which is, again, when you start taking a look at the populations or the demographics in places like North America, Europe, Japan, these are aging societies that require more medicine, more expensive medicine, and that's creating a lot of pressure on the system and raising the cost of health care. And the payer model is changing as well. Corporations don't want to fund the health care of their employees today that they used to do many, many years ago. So they're forcing their employees, the individuals, to bear more of that burden. And of course, if you make an individual a shopper of his or her own health care, they make their decisions quite differently. So these are, again, the megatrends that we're seeing. And then, of course, they're using the internet. When I live overseas and have been living overseas for 15 years and have been in healthcare for those 15 years and have seen a lot of patients coming from Australia, Japan, UK, North America, the United States for healthcare. And it's just interesting to hear their stories because literally what you're seeing are 
people who are defecting out of their healthcare system because they don't get the quality, access, price, or service that they're looking for, and they're going mobile. They're saying, if I'm paying for it, I'm going to look at the options that I have available, and now those options are global. Tell me a little bit about MedNet Asia. What exactly do you do? I do consulting, strategic consulting for large international hospital providers based out of Thailand, Singapore, and India. I work with United Health Group out of the United States. Essentially, I help those organizations develop strategies, platforms to provide global care and connect patients, providers, and payers across a global continuum so that people can connect. What kind of experiences or what kind of surprises do patients from the U.S. experience the most when they go overseas? They are overwhelmed by service, literally. Something that has kind of been marginalized in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. It is interesting because I think that a lot of the debate is around quality issues and liability issues. And while they are important, I don't want to marginalize those, the fact of the matter is that patients with a layman's understanding of medicine don't know whether or not a surgeon did a particular procedure you know, absolutely correct or the medication that they're giving a patient is the right medication. They don't understand that. What they do understand when they go to a hospital is when I'm in my room and I ring for a nurse, Does it take her five minutes or five seconds to come? How many nurses are on my ward? Is the food that comes to me hot and delicious? Are people nice to me? So it becomes very, very different. And when you start to talk to these patients about what wows them, it's all about service. And again, drawing another parallel is, again, what's happening with the airline industry. When you go on an Asian carrier, Singapore Air, Japan Air, Asiana, you feel like you're the king of the world. When you go on an American airline, it feels like you're in a bus. And there isn't too much difference between a tube of aluminum flying through the air. What makes the difference is service. How do we know that the quality is the same? We assume that the quality is there and the benchmarks are there, and so then now we can focus on service. But How does the U.S. consumer know that if he goes to a hospital in Thailand, he's going to get the same care he would get going to Mayo or John Hopkins? Well, you don't. Very frankly, you don't. The system is not fully developed where an individual, a patient, or even a physician, or a plan who pays for this can say, I want to compare apples and apples. I want to compare how a hospital in Thailand, India, or the Philippines stacks up with comparable hospitals, for example, in South Dakota, North Carolina, and Texas. They can't do it. But then again, I think there's also a challenge of creating or having that comparison within the U.S. system itself. That's been an issue as well. What we are looking at, and hopefully one of the things that will happen with the globalization of healthcare, is that a standards criteria will be set for 20, 30 indicators whereby all hospitals will say, yes, we agree to this and we will input data so that any individual can go online and look at hospitals by a respected organization that's looking at the quality and clinical indicators that matter. So when someone goes online to look at where they want to go, what is important for that hospital to really do 
to wow that patient and to get that patient into their door? Interestingly, uh, based on my experience, I think it's the timeliness of response, mm-hmm. a service thing. And I also think it is how rich the website is in terms of the information that it provides and what I can do when I'm in that website. So more than one dimension. Correct. One of the things that I've had experience with is that once they make the initial contact to one of these hospitals, again, the timeliness of the contact is important, but again, if you can get a physician or if it's the attending physician or a concierge physician to get back to that patient, that's impressive. Again, patients complain about the ability to connect with their own doctor, you know, 20 miles away let alone one that's 10,000 miles away. And it's oftentimes the case that the ones that are 10,000 miles away are more responsive than the ones that are 20 miles away. When you get a hold of one of these doctors online, are there any language barriers that exist? All these physicians speak beautiful English. Because I would imagine that would scare away a lot of consumers if their language was not there. No, far from it. These are all English proficient physicians, read, write, speak English. And again, when you're talking about Singapore, their national language is English. Uh, Of course, Indians all speak English. Thai physicians at the hospital that I worked at, Bummerhead International, 50% of the doctors on staff of the 900 doctors that they have were overseas educated or board certified. I think that they alone have 150 doctors that are U.S. board certified. So again, the language issue and even the training education issue are moot points. Can you tell me a little bit about packaging and bundling things that apparently wow us also? Yeah, I mean, again, I think Consumers look at healthcare in a retail model. That's the way that they like to see things. And much like travel is packaged and bundled, I'm interested in a four day, five night trip to Cozumel. Tell me what the airfare, accommodation, all the services, tell me what that is going to be and tell me the price. Right. So an all-inclusive hip replacement. Correct. And that's what exactly what they're looking for. And that's what the international hospitals do very, very well. They understand this mentality and say, all right, we're developing packages. This is what your package includes. This is what it excludes. These are the conditions. This is the price. How can we help? Does that price change daily based on the dollar's value and the currency conversions? It does change in value. It doesn't change in price because normally what they end up doing is pricing in their local currency, Thai baht, Singapore dollar, Indian rupiah. Of course, as the dollar is slipping, these would be those currencies, the cost will change, but the price that they're quoting remains the same. Well, we're almost out of time. I was wondering if you could summarize what you see the current tipping points to be. The current tipping points, I think, for globalized care to really hit, the four things that are going to need to happen are the plans need to get engaged. They need to develop products that will include a global care network. Two, I think that the continuity of care issue has to be solved. Again, a patient traveling overseas is great, but if they can't come back and go into the medical system for aftercare, that doesn't work to anybody's benefit. The third thing is that there is no web-based platform that connects right now payers, patients, and providers. And fourth, we still have issues of liability that end up nagging this industry. That said, 
all of these things have commercial solutions and they're getting solved day by day at different points and but I, again my feeling here is that the consumer is controlled and they're the ones that are going to end up pushing this. Uh, Ruben Terrell, CEO of MedNet Asia, thank you very much for sitting down and talking with me. My pleasure. I'm Dr. Larry Casco, and you've been listening to the Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. If you'd like to comment or listen to any of our library of podcasts, please visit our website at reachmd.com. Once there, if you register with the promo code RADIO, we will give you six months free of streaming ReachMD. You can listen to day or night. And thanks for listening.